What's up, guys? Welcome to My Depressed Christian Life, a podcast devoted to helping you find life in depression. I'm Lee Lumley. I guess you could call me the OG depressed Christian, as my daughter would say. I struggle with bipolar type 2 depression, and so as a result, my life's a mess. I'm just going to be completely straight up honest with you. It's a mess. I'm plagued with poor choices, um, sin in my life that I've struggled with, uh, just the ups and downs of one day being on fire for God and the next day just completely being under a a mountain of pain and and depression and just wishing God would just take me on home. Uh, So obviously, I do not have it together. I am simply a Christian who struggles with depression, and uh, hopefully I have learned a few things along the way, and I'm going to be able to pass those things along to other people and, and by God's grace, be able to help someone else uh, who is struggling with depression. As I say, help them find life in depression, because there is actually life to be had. I have learned that. Uh, So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope that you're going to enjoy it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read an article titled, I Am Not Ashamed of the Gospel of Mental Illness. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of mental illness, and I will tell you why. It is the power of God working through me, declaring His salvation. Irresponsible, lazy, impulsive, unstable, narcissistic, crazy, undependable, erratic, immature, poor work ethic. These are terms some have used to describe me over the years. To be honest, I have even used them myself to describe my life, which has been plagued with stupid choices, crushing failures, suicidal ideations, low self-confidence, self-hatred, as well as many other things. I do not remember much of my childhood, just spotty memories here and there, but I remember not being happy. That unhappiness worsened around the age of 16 and turned into rage. Once, I got angry at something my uncle did and punched a block wall with all my force. I do not even remember what he did, so that tells you how insignificant it was. There was also the time when I was touring professionally with a band We were practicing on the bus, and I was having trouble getting the harmony right. At one point, I became so angry with myself, I slammed my head against the wall several times. You can imagine the surprise of my band members. I never thought of this raging spirit as a result of depression. Heck, I did not even know rage was a symptom of depression. Instead, as a Christian, I thought my anger was merely a sinful lack of self-control. The issues did not stop with anger, however. As an adult, I did not stay at a job for more than about three years. I would always come to a season of depression, get angry about something, and find another job. There was also an addiction to pornography and poor impulsive decisions. I always thought of myself as a stable person. I was a good man who loved my family. I worked hard and tried to serve the Lord. But looking back now, I see my life was in a slow but steady downward spiral. The first time I remember thinking I might be depressed was around 1997. I had dealt with several weeks of emotional struggles and fatigue. I remember having a ton of brain fog. It was so bad at one point, I missed work because I forgot what day it was. I went to the doctor, got some medication, felt better after a week or so, and stopped the medication. Going to the doctor for medication happened several times throughout the years. 
However, as is the case with most bipolar diagnoses, the cycle was not yet evident. It seemed to be occasional depression brought about by stress or seasonal forces. But around 2011, my life began to unravel. An addiction to pornography consumed me. My anger increased exponentially. Depression followed suit, and the shame and guilt were overwhelming. By December of that year, my sister had died, my ex filed for divorce, and I had lost my career. That was it. The dam was no longer leaking, but instead had burst wide open, and I was drowning. Over the next seven years, I was in complete torment emotionally. I admitted myself into the hospital at one point for suicidal ideations, and I had three nervous breakdowns. I found a new job, but quit after about a year, because I felt God was calling me to turn in my notice and start a church. Keep in mind, my life at this time was pure chaos. The requirements for a minister in the book of Timothy say a minister must be temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and rule his house well. These were not traits that described my life. Yet, I believe God wanted me to start a church in the midst of my out-of-control life. I had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Often, I would study my Bible with veracity one day and question my salvation the next. I would be loving and kind to my ex, and then, as if a switch was flipped, I would be vengeful and hate-filled. I went into a deep depression at the end of 2018. It was not evident to me then, but I was heading into the darkest and most frightening season of my life. I found myself riding down the road, sizing up vehicles, wondering if hitting them head-on would kill me. At the time, I had a home improvement business, and many weeks I could only work for three days. I would sleep 15 to 18 hours a day, or would get up but not be able to get dressed, let alone work. There were times I would be on the job and an anxiety attack would hit me. I would fight the attack as much as possible, but as soon as I got in the truck at the end of the day, the tears and hyperventilating began. I was tired. The rage had exhausted me. Hurting those I loved had made me hate myself. I was tired of losing to sin and tired of being worthless for the kingdom of God. My desire to die was because I just wanted to go home. I knew I was a Christian and knew when I died I would be in perfect peace. The thought of death was like a long-awaited rain after a month-long walk through the desert, and I wanted to be home. Thankfully, one of my friends reached out to the director of our Baptist Association and he called and asked me to come speak with them. After trying to make excuses, saying I was fine, I finally gave in and met with them. We talked for two and a half hours, and I poured my heart out. They got me in touch with the counselor they have on staff, and I began seeing a psychiatrist. I'll never forget the first day I sat down with the psychiatrist. He asked me to tell him about my life. After about two minutes, he told me I was bipolar. He said he knew this because he was bipolar and my story sounded just like his. I cannot tell you the relief I felt. I finally knew why I was this way. I realized I was not a bad person. I was a sick person. I never blamed my diagnosis for my sin, but realizing much of that sin was an outflow from my sickness was oddly comforting. It actually gave me hope. 
hope that I could find relief. Since that day, I have been taking medication, and my life was much more even-keeled. Though I still had occasional times of depression and hypomania, they were not as deep. That is, until this past fall. That's when I began to see signs of a deep depression coming on. The fatigue, perpetual need for sleep, fear for the future, brain fog, and of course rage began to surface again. Although it was not as severe as the 2018 season, it was difficult. It was filled with many days of not being able to get out of bed, lack of energy to do simple daily tasks, loss of desire for the things I enjoy, and self-loathing. A lot of self-loathing. I have always felt the church needs to be more transparent about struggles, especially mental illness. Sadly, millions of Christians who suffer from mental illness hide in the shadows of shame. So I decided a long time ago I would be painfully transparent and public about my struggles. That is why, as I began coming out of my depression, I posted on Facebook about my struggles. One of those posts caught the attention of a trusted friend. The post pictured my completely trashed bedroom. I posted it to show how small tasks like making your bed, cleaning your room, brushing your teeth, and washing dishes are monumental accomplishments for a depressed individual. My friend felt I should not have shared that level of transparency. His main reasoning was because a ministry that might be looking at me for a staff position might see that and think mental instability. The truth is, he was absolutely right in thinking that. I know this from experience. You see, several years ago, a church was considering putting me on staff as the worship pastor. When I met with the elders of the church, I was honest and upfront with them about my depression, as well as struggles with pornography. I told them that at the time, I was seeing some victory. I also told them if I get the position, I wanted to add them to my accountability team. A few days later, I got a call from the pastor informing me they decided not to hire me. The reason was they felt it unwise to let a person who struggles with pornography lead the worship team, which has women on it. In other words, I was dangerous. I say often mental illness is the only sickness I know of where the patient is considered the problem and kept at arm's length. Friends and family rally around someone who has cancer, heart problems, diabetes, etc., when their sickness becomes a burden to loved ones, it is understood and given grace. But all too often, sufferers of mental illness are avoided and even abandoned because they are considered crazy, a loose cannon, or dangerous. That is why so many suffer in silence. We put on a happy face and spend life in deception trying to not be stigmatized and abandoned. I believe God would have me be painfully transparent. Mental illness should not cause anyone, let alone a Christian, to live in shame. Instead, Paul tells us we should boast in our weaknesses, because God's grace is sufficient and His strength is made perfect in them. Now, some may argue that Paul did not tell us his details about his weakness, and they would be correct. But I would argue that God, being the inspirer of Paul's writings, purposely caused Paul to leave out the details so anyone with any weakness could find hope in it. Look at the many raw and real stories of men of God who struggled with depression. Noah got drunk after the flood because of it. 
Elijah hid in a cave begging God to let him die because of it. And David was what I call the bipolar prophet in his very real and raw writings, all because of depression. If it is imprudent to discuss the depths of depression publicly, then God was imprudent in putting these stories in the Bible. The truth is, my struggle with and openness in talking about depression is the gospel. It is good news. It encourages others to know that they are not alone and shows them they can trust God truly is with us, even in depression. Being real and raw about my hurt is a salve of healing to the hurting. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, God comforts us that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a tongue twister, but it is packed with truth. He is saying we go through things so God can teach us through His comfort for us how to minister to the hurts of others. In other words, God wants depressed people to help other depressed people, and that is best done with a raw honesty showing that we have been there. I was recently listening to a video of a seminar by Dr. Aaron Cariati, where he said research shows support groups led by laypersons can be just as effective as groups led by a licensed counselor. There is something about hearing another person's story of living successfully with depression that brings healing and hope. Being allowed into someone's life to see they struggle with the same illness as you removes the lie of being an outsider, broken, unusable. The truth is, Jesus himself suffered from depression in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross. Yet, he did not hide his struggles away in the shadows. Instead, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought Peter, James, and John to witness it. That day, as he hung on the cross, feeling abandoned by God, he publicly cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did not hide his depression, but instead allowed the world to see it. Now I and millions of others can see his anguish and mental torment, which allows us to find hope knowing he suffered as we do, and that we do not have a God who does not empathize with our weaknesses, but can comfort us in our weaknesses because he experienced the agony of extreme mental anguish. So let them pass over me because of my mental instability. Let people consider me crazy or loose cannon, because I post freely my struggles. But I am not ashamed of the gospel of mental illness, because it is the power of God to help others find life in depression. Well, I hope you enjoyed that reading. That's from the I Am Not Ashamed of the Gospel of Mental Illness, an article that I just recently wrote on my blog, MyDepressedChristianLife.com. I wanted to take just a moment here before we sign off and uh, just mention the verse that I loosely used as inspiration for that article was from the letter of Romans that Paul wrote. And it's uh, verse 116 where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. And he goes on in verse 17, he says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You know, 
when Paul was writing this, he was writing it to the Romans and he was saying, hey, guys, I so long to be with y'all. I, I want to I want to be there. I want to I want to preach to you. I want to partake in the fruit that you are bearing for God. But I can't because I've been hindered. And what he's talking about being hindered by is being put in jail and being tortured by the Romans because of him preaching the good news of the gospel. That's why he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because the truth is it would be very easy to be ashamed of the gospel since it is what was bringing him that punishment and that torture and that anguish. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. That's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel of mental illness, because yes, Satan loves to use anything he can to hinder a person's witness, to slow down their ability to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. He loves being able to do that, but the truth is everything he does that tries to destroy our witness, God does it so that he can increase it. And so Paul says later on, he says that, hey, my chains have caused to further the gospel. It has caused it to go further. And so that's why I'm not ashamed of my depression. I'm not ashamed of my mental illness. Yes, I'm ashamed of the choices I made. I'm ashamed of the sins that I have committed. I'm ashamed of my compulsive behavior that I can't control. But I'm not ashamed of my sickness because God uses it to be able to minister to other people. And I love what Paul says in verse 17 when he goes on. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And you know, when you struggle with depression, when you struggle with mental illness, there's a lot of times when you feel like your your salvation may not be real. You feel like you have just completely taken 20 steps back. But the truth is, God is the source of your righteousness and he will move you from faith to faith. You will increase in faith throughout your lifetime. Yeah, you may fall back, but you're going to get back up. Proverbs says that a, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And Philippians 1.6 says that it is God who started the work in us and he is faithful to complete it. So when people see us go from faith to weakness, to faith, to weakness, and then back and forth, but yet they see us increase in our strength of faith, that is the gospel of mental illness. And that is why we should not be ashamed. Hey, want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Music Artist Pipeline. Music Artist Pipeline is a full service recording studio located in McRae, Georgia. Map Studios is also an artist development studio offering production services for all levels and genres. Chuck Hutchison is a great guy. I've worked with him in the past doing some of the recordings for my own uh, songwriting. They just rolled out a lot of new equipment for podcasting, so they are set up not only to handle your music needs, but also for podcasts. With connections to some of the biggest names in the music industry, Music Artist Pipeline can help put you on the map. You've been listening to the My Depressed Christian Life podcast, a podcast devoted to helping you find life in depression. Hope you've enjoyed it. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.